0: Hi everybody, I'm your host, Valentina, and this is a new episode of your favorite Italian true crime podcast. Before jumping to today's story, just a quick call to action. Please follow me on Instagram at Bloody Pasta Podcast, Rate, review and subscribe from any platform that you are currently listening from, especially on GoodPods and Apple Podcasts. Today is quite an important episode, since I will report on the first serial killer here on this podcast. We will travel to the north part of Italy, where I am from. The lore of this well-known serial killer is still alive in Reggio Emilia province. And when I was a kid, many, many times that name came up. My grandparents would say, Behave Valentina. Or I will call Cianciulli, and she will transform you into soap. So let me just say, this is how trauma pass over a generation. Or how a person gets obsessed with true crime. But without further ado, welcome to the dark side of Italy. Welcome to Bloody Pasta. The radio is on in every house and shop in Italy. At the end of nineteen thirty nine. The news speakers report about a war that Hitler started in Europe by invading Poland, followed by the voice of Mussolini addressing the Italian population over the possibility to to assist Hitler in this new European conflict. Radios are turned on in shops, cafes and homes in Correggio too. Correggio is a quiet village in the province of Reggio Emilia, in the heart of Emilia-Romagna. It's foggy and extremely cold. It's half past 10 in the morning on December 18, 1939 and Faustina Setti is walking through Correggio Street with a 20-years-old helper carrying her luggage. It's a special day for Faustina. She's an energetic 73 years old and she just went to the hairdress and she's wearing her best dress. That day Faustina felt just lucky. Correggio is a small country town, province of the province. Nothing ever happened there and Faustina is actually a little bit bored. She had sold all her possession and withdrawn all her savings from the bank the day before. She went to say her forever goodbyes to her closest friends. But she would say a different story to different people. To someone, Faustina would say that she is going to live in Suzzara in Mantova, with some health relative. To others, she would say that she was going about to get married to a wealthy widower. Good luck was finally turning for Faustina Setti who recently lost her son after losing her husband. However, something didn't add up and is clear by her expression. There's a kind of a shadow in Faustina and her expression is not happy but rather worried like she's afraid. She is worried not to be able to come back to Correggio any time soon. Tears as slowly rolling down to her face. But she is only a few steps away from her destiny. She entered the house of her new friends at the number 11 of Via Cavour. This is the dress of Leonarda Cianciulli, a dynamic character from the south of Italy who knows everyone in town. Leonarda has only recently met Faustina but but she wants to help her new friend in every possible way. Faustina is so innocent so sad and so lonely. Leonarda reached out to all the people that she knew and find the perfect match for Faustina. A wealthy widower who was looking for someone just like Faustina. But he doesn't live in Correggio, he lives in Suzzara. Not too far from Correggio, but still a big jump for a 73 years old woman. Faustina have to sell everything she owns to relocate. She sell her furniture, her house, withdraw all her savings and when she sit in the armchair of her friend Leonarda in her living room she has almost 50k euro in today money in her handbag. The house is quiet since Leonarda's son and the maid are out shopping. Faustina is undecided about what to do with her new situation. She's just waiting for her friend Leonata to bring her a cup of coffee with a glass of grappa before embarking in her new journey. At the age of 70, she decided to leave the town where she spent all her entire life. Just craziness. The radio is on and talking about all these speeches about the war. Italy is debating wherever enter or not in World War two. Like Faustina he is unsure in what to do. She can't see because the living room door is closed. But behind it there's Leonardo, who is holding a hammer. Faustina dies from a smash skull after a blow to the head. The body is then hidden in a closet while Chantrulli goes out and buys seven kilos of caustic soda. She cut off immediately the head and the feet in the evening, and she waits for his son and the maid to leave the next day and goes on with her job. She dissects the body into nine distinct sections, and with the seven kilos of caustic she tosses the pieces of her friend's body into a big pot. Leonarda slowly stirred Faustina's chopped body until it turned into a dark stick. Slime. Leonarda then filled buckets and pour part of her friend in a nearby chess pool. Part of it becomes soap and her blood becomes cookies. This is where Leonardo Cianciulli's criminal history begins. She is the saponificatrice di Correggio, the soap maker of Correggio. This is the nickname under which she is known. Leonardo Cianciulli was born 45 years prior, in 1894, in the town of Montella in the province of Avellino in Campania. Campania is the region where Napoli is located. She is the youngest of six siblings, and despite being the youngest, Leonardo is not the most beloved. When she will write her memoir, she describes her childhood as very sad. Leonardo was a very sick child too. She had epilepsy. However, the story of an unhappy childhood is far from true, despite the fact that she claimed Word. i attempt to hang myself twice as a kid the first time my family arrived to save me in time and the second time the rope just snapped but my mother made it clear that she will be relieved to not see me alive anymore once i swallowed some glass shards tried to kill myself again but nothing happened when Leonarda refused to marry a cousin whom her mother considered a perfect man for her, the relationship between the two deteriorate even more. Leonarda was actually in love with someone else. Raffaele Pensardi, a young employee of Montella Land Registry. Leonarda will marry Raffaele when she was 23 years old and her mother despise her even more. This will be a crucial point in Leonarda's life, since she will claim the mother, curse her. Leonardo's curse is the worst thing that could have happened to her, because Leonardo believes in magic as well as superstition, mixed with f- mixed with fear, religious belief. Leonardo and Raffaele's first child, born shortly after their marriage. But the deadly Spanish flu pandemic claimed their baby lives after only a few months. Leonardo's story is marked many heartbreaking situations, and this is only the first of them. She has 17 pregnancies in her life, three times she is spontaneously miscarried, and under 10 times she will carry out the pregnancy but give birth to a stillborn child. Only four infants are saved. Leonarda cursed is strong. She contacted immediately a local Avellino witch, who removed the curse. Leonarda will carry out then four pregnancy to term, three males and one female. She had finally broke three from the curse. But the little girl, unfortunately, becomes ill almost immediately and faces death. Leonarda takes charge of the situation. She pulls out eight of her own teeth and tossed them into the stove. A sacrifice to the Virgin Mary. Leonarda thanked magic and the Lord for for the healing of her little girl. Leonarda will do anything to defend her kids she will fight with all her strength and to all costs. From 1921 to 1927 the young couple lived in Campania. They then moved to Correggio on the third floor of the house in Vier Corso Cavour number 11 after a devastating earthquake in 1930. The young Leonarda was already known to the village and towns in Campania as a woman of easy virtue, dishonored, impulsive, rebellious to authority and devoted to bragging and fraud. But it was 1920 and it was so easy to badly judge a woman who might have just expressed her thoughts. But this was not the case for Leonarda. Cianciulli was sentenced to 10 months and 15 days of imprisonment and pay a substantial fine she has conned a local women to give her all her money and goods. Cianciulli was even previously convicted in 1912 for death and in 1919 for threatening with a weapon. When they moved to Correggio, her husband continued to work in a registered office in, in Emilia and earning very little money per month, barely enough to support his wife and kids. He will spend most of the money at the local Osteria in wine. Leonardo took again matters in her own hand and started to make clothes as well as offering service for as an astrologist in the city. The couple was a little bit peculiar. Raffaele was a shy man who avoids social situation. Leonardo, on the other hand, was warm and generous. She wanted to fit in. Only few people in Correggio can claim to have never received a cake from Leonardo. It's now the 5th of September 1940. It is less than three months that Italy entered the war on the side of Germany. It's been three months since Mussolini spoke from a balcony of the Palazzo Venezia, calling for military operation and the participation of all men in the military. This new infamous chapter in history has just begun. No one knows what will bring or how it will end. Francesca was have similar uncertainty thoughts. Francesca sat the same armchair that Faustina had sat a few months prior. It's the 5th of September 1940 and Francesca wonders if she should pursue this new chapter in her life. A fresh start thanks to her friend, Leonarda. Francesca Clementina is a 55 years old woman who is just unhappy with her life. She works as a fabric sale person in Coraggio, but she doesn't like the job. Francesca often think back at the time when she was a kindergarten teacher. Working with kids and interacting with a great number of people was a rewarding experience for her. She missed that happiness. Perhaps she will be able to take it back. She only needs the courage to proceed in a new adventure. Francesca's new friend, Leonardo, that energetic and pleasant woman from the South, managed to persuade her. Leonardo Cianciulli was able to secure a kindergarten position for Francesca in Pula, at the time Istria, which was still Italian. Pula now is part of Croatia. Leonarda can actually help Francesca, but she needs to sell all her belongings and relocate. Francesca has a small saving account and she was very nervous while she was sitting in Leonarda's living room. Francesca was waiting for Leonardo to bring her a cup of coffee and a much-needed glass of grappa with almost 2,500 euros in today's money in her bag. However, Francesca is thinking about the gossip she heard about Leonardo who's circulating now in Correggio. Another woman vanished, and Lunada was actually the last person who seen her. Despite her reservation, this new opportunity is too appealing. She takes a seat in the living room on the armchair, her back to the door. Lunada is hiding behind the door, holding a large axe in her hand. The door opens marta ferrari a former student of francesca arrived at Chenchuli house a few hours later marta was looking for her friend francesca and she is concerned about the trip and she wanted to say her final goodbyes what an unfortunate circumstances francesca just left for pula with a priest and some nuns this is what leonardo will say to marta Francesca never left. She was chopped and sealed in several containers in the attic, ready to be dissolved in the caustic soda. Marta didn't trust Leonardo, especially after noticing her swarming correggio and claiming all Francesca credits. Marta was suspicious. Only a few days passed since Francesca's departure when a postcard from Pula and one from Piacenza, arriving in the mail for Marta and some other Francesca's friend. Postmark and signature looks authentic. Marta's suspicions have vanished. It's November 30, 1940. Italy has been at war for less than six months and battles has already erupted in Greece, Albania and many countries in Africa weather this is not what was broadcast on the radio. They were just news of accomplishments and victories. Everything appears to be normal in Italy but it's just a big lie. This is what Virginia suspect as she was sat in an armchair in the living room of Via cavour number 11 on the 30th of November 1940 waiting for a coffee and a much-needed glass of grappa before her trip. Virginia Cacioppo was a well-known opera singer, 59 years old at the time. Her celebrity faded and she fell now on alone, especially after she lost her husband and her son. Virginia needed a new begin. Fortunately, she had a new friend, who took great care of her and found her a job in a state office. Virginia was quite excited, especially since the job required to move to Florence. She could try to sing again in the city, the city of art, music and concert, starting over. But that was not all. There was also a wealthy widower looking for... The chance to start a family was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. She saw everything and sat in that armchair with her back to the door, all the money and jewelry she could find in her handbag. However, she had her reservation that she didn't share with Leonardo Cianciulli. Virginia was very clever and asked a friend to look for her if she didn't reach out to her within eight days she asked to another to find her a gun because she didn't feel safe virginia should have trusted gut because she was in danger lunarda is behind her with an axe hits her friend and proceed with their usual gruesome ritual this heinous act could have attract even more victims, because it was 1940 and World War II pushed people to take bold action and decisions. But Virginia will be Leonardo's last victim. Enter to the scene Albertina Fanti. Albertina is Virginia's sister-in-law and want to know how is Virginia. Albertina will make inquiries around Correggio and having learned that Leonarda is providing several versions of Virginia where to be, then she overheard an old rumours. Virginia was the third person got missing and Leonarda was the last person to hear and see them. Albertina is definitely one of these true crime obsessed and maybe a mordorino. Albertina actually went immediately to the Carabinieri and told them everything she learned and heard. But she and her finding will be dismissed by the Carabinieri to be just a girly gossip. But she didn't give up at all. She goes to the Polizia and file a complaint with the Reggio Emilia police headquarters. Not only that, but she only brings a list of government bonds with marked numbers and belongings of Virginia, who has vanished to the police. When Leonardo learned about Albertina action, she went to the Carabinieri to file a defamation lawsuit against her. But now it's too late. In Correggio, rumors are spreading like wildfire. The Carabinieri receive anonymous letter accusing Leonardo of murders and Carabinieri of ignoring three killed women. Leonardo was arrested by the Carabinieri just because they didn't want to be humiliated. Leonardo didn't confess a thing. Definitive proof of her action was still missing and from investigation of Leonardo home, nothing has emerged, not even a small trace of blood. But the police didn't give up and on March 28th it was discovered a portion of Virginia asset has been sold and they find Leonardo has the source of the stolen item. Despite all, she didn't speak. The carabinieri then pursued a different line of inquiries. Leonardo, dearest son, Giuseppe, he must have overheard, smiled or be aware of something because he was living with a family. Giuseppe started to be investigated by the Carabinieri and actually they do bring him for questioning and after a few hours arrest him. This was Leonardo West's nightmare coming true. The curse has returned and she must take control of the situation. Leonarda cracks and confess. She is soapy maker of Correggio. A fragment of Faustina dentures and piece of human skull, partially soapy with soda caustic, and a page of sport news stained with blood emerge from the cast pool of Via Cavour, number 11. Leonardo is transferred first to the prison of Bologna and then on the 17th of October 1940 to a criminal asylum in Aversa, in province of Caserta in the south. Here is where Leonardo will write her memoir in only 19 months. The trial began in Regimilia on June 12, 1946. The war was over for Italy, but the battle for Leonarda just started. On the radio, there were no more war news, but just court update on Leonarda. Adding to the lord of Leonarda, there were her suicide attempt. Apparently, she has swollen nails and glasses, but her stomach digested all so easily. Cianciulli was accused of murdering Faustina Setti, Francesca Suavi and Virginia Cacioppo and disposing their body by saponizing them in a boiling pot borrowed from a friend with the intent of making a large amount of soap. Cianciulli's son, Giuseppe, were also in the dock accused of complicity. The soap maker Declare herself first innocent during her hearings. I'm not a guilty woman, Leonarda will say. I do not want my son to witness my interrogation. She will carry on to say, I will tell you everything you want to know and I will also condemn myself, but my son is innocent and I don't want him to hear what I'm going to say why Leonarda killed these three women. She will confess different reasons during her trial. I need the money to make a gift to gods and make my son invulnerable. But there's even more in her confession. I believe in the resurrection of the flesh, she will say. If I could resurrect them, I could have revolutionized the world. Me and my victim could be famous and wealthy. Leonardo was found guilty of triple homicide, taking the money of all her victim. And in the end of the trial, she has been sent to 30 years in prison with partial serve of in a psychiatric hospital. Leonardo will never leave the psychiatric facility where she died in 1970. Giuseppe, her son, was charged with complicity she was found not guilty due to a lack of evidence. The question of Giuseppe's involvement remained unanswered. While the other son were younger he was the only one that Leonarda trusted completely. For the he mailed some fake postcard and no alibi was even established for Giuseppe who might have assisted his mother in the disposal of the bodies. The soap maker recounts the various steps she took to dispose the body in her lengthy memoir. Most of the people will consider it pure fantasy of a deviant imagination. No one believed that then she made soap or pastry from the victim bodies, even during the trial. And during the trial, she even request to be able to demonstrate how she could chop a body in 20 minutes. But fortunately, she she was never granted. There were actually no proof. No one has ever testified and took candy or soap from her. Not only that, but the coroner attempted to verify her method for soap making. With a body. He took a knee and boiled it with the same quantity as the woman suggested but it failed because the water evaporated even before the knee was dissolved. The dosage were incorrect. Did Leonarda killed alone three women? More likely no. Did she make soaps and candies and cookies with her victims? Also, no. Did she kill three women? Maybe to sacrifice for gods? To protect her family? This is more likely. But the story of Correggio's soap maker has lived on legends. Passed Down has a story of a ruthless serial killer who, after murdering her victims, They solved their bodies in caustic soda to make soap and used their body to cook pastry, giving both to friends and relatives. What is sure is that Leonardo Cianciulli's story is one of a kind case in a word, I hope you enjoyed this story. Until next time. Ciao, guys.